What's up, guys? And I am back in the studio with Dr. Zano, my man. And we're switching gears a little bit now. And I am not answering any questions. I am going to do a little bit of listening. And what am I actually listening to today, Dr. Chris? Right, good. So I think um, what impresses me a lot about you is the mindset. And a lot of times your mindset, it tends to, we take certain things for granted, the way we think or see, or, or see things in perspective, and not knowing that it's, if we could distill it down and explain that and actually transmute that into a, a learnable fashion, that it could be very beneficial for people listening. And so today I'm going to talk more of a hero mindset. And uh, the hero mindset is, I personally believe, or like one of my purposes, I don't think I really shared my purpose with a lot of people, but you know, I, I really, I, I feel I exist for people that are sleepwalking through life. They're living the secret identity. And we'll, we'll talk about what the secret identity is. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to wake them up and reconnect them with their genius, their greatness, and that buried hero. And for those of you that are awake, you know, I want to help provide powerful experiences for someone to help increase their influence so they could impact people at an entirely different level. Because at the basis of it, I believe that all people were born with seeds of greatness and they're capable of doing heroic things. I think a lot of times when we're children and we have these heroic qualities we'll go over through teachers and preachers and dogmas and belief system, it gets squashed and imprisoned. And that childlike imagination and dream where Einstein said imagination was the greatest mental faculty we had, um, it gets squashed. And we wound up, uh, we wind up doing or living out other people's expectations. And we never really actually live out what that little child in us always dreamed of doing whatever that might be. And I think that's where people live in, in times of regret. And they're, they're, they always know, they, what I call it, they're grieving their potential. And, I, and I'll go over reasons and we'll go over different things. I have little questions here to really be able to show you that if you're watching this, you may be one of those people living in a secret identity, grieving your potential. And that feeling of numbness and uh, depression, it's, it's not circumstantial, just because there's that part of you that's not being expressed. And if we could just help you make that step to explore that new heroic journey you need to be on, it could be one of the most fulfilling times of your life. Okay. How's that sound? I like it. <laughs> All right. I'm listening. All right, so these, these are signs that you might be living a secret identity. You feel unfulfilled. You wake up and it's that nine to five job. You feel like you're just going through the motions, but there's no fulfillment, no excitement. Uh, you're, you're full of fear. Uh, you feel burnt out or depressed. Uh, you're tired all the time. You have anxiety and pressure. You feel numb. What people have to understand, numb, and I used to say, well, I'm numb. And why would I say I'm numb? Because I wanted to block feelings away. But numbness is still an emotion. Yeah. People don't think, like, you're, a numb is an emotion. Um, you're always looking forward to the future, like, oh, someday, or, or wouldn't it be nice, or when things just change, or when this happens. So we're thinking that when the circumstances change, especially now, right, when things become normal again, mm -hmm. that things will be better. Uh, we're always, uh, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't know who you are. I found myself in my 30s looking in the mirror. And I'm like, I don't know who the hell I am. I go, I know what other people want of me, yep. but you know, you need to do this. I, w I was a box checker offer, right? Check off this box, get this career, make this money, get this car, get this house, have a wife, have two kids. Like if just like check, 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 check. Cause I love checking off boxes. It was a goal, yeah. but for why, you know, um, you feel like there's some unresolved stuff in the basement. Mm -hmm. I got that from Rocky. He's like, you know, remember Rocky, uh, like if I was like, Paulie, there's like this, this, this stuff. He's like, what stuff? He's like, this <laughs> stuff, the stuff in the basement, right? And I, I mean, and also like when you watch movies or listen to songs and you get emotional, yeah. I got so emotional. I'm like, why the hell am I crying? 
because I had stuff in the basement, man. I think a lot of us have this stuff in the basement that's just unresolved and we're worried that it's going to die within us. That's why Rocky fought that one more time. Mm-hmm. And remember at the end, he's like, is, is the stuff out? He's like, stuff's out of the face. <laughs> you know? It was so good. Uh, Rocky movies, we could literally write a book on the lessons of Rocky. So, so much. I mean, what, a, what, a, what an icon of my life. Um, on paper, it seems that you have achieved everything, but you're still grieving something. Uh, you know, all these things that are going on. So, you know, we want to get into that, like a secret identity. So PJ, like going back in your life, is there any times you felt that you were living out the secret identity, this less than watered down version of yourself? You felt constricted and you weren't able to express who you are because what I appreciate about what you do here at, at Blackstone is like, you really, I mean, you, you love being creative and I think everybody loves that about you. And so, but was there a time where you felt under the microscope or, pre- or you feel like you weren't being you, you were being somebody else or wearing the secret identity? Yeah, I mean, there's been different phases of my journey where I have felt that more than others. And even even now, in, in many ways, I feel like that because of the, uh, the, the trial, because of my FDA lawsuit that I can't talk that much about, which is a frustrating thing in itself to not even be able to talk about what you're going through, especially when a lot of people don't even understand it, um, to not be able to explain it because you're not really allowed is very frustrating. So for me... Um, I was your typical bodybuilder, living the bodybuilding lifestyle, and when I decided that I wanted to retire from bodybuilding, I actually did feel that I was fulfilled with Mm -hmm. bodybuilding. I was ready to move on to the next step, which was important because people say to me all the time when when I go to shows, they're like, do you miss it? And I'm like, nope. I actually love what I'm doing now, and I'm glad I don't feel that way. When I had first started Blackstone Labs, I was becoming a box checker, like you said. And I let this really make me make one of the worst decisions of my life because I had gotten to a point where I was like, well, I have a successful company. I have the house. I have plenty of money. I have cars. It's time for me to get married and then start having children. Isn't that the next step? And I was feeling some outside pressure uh, and I'm not putting it on my mom, you know, but my mom would say, when am I going to have grandkids? Gee, bro, it's so comical you're saying that. I remember my mom was like, before I was 30, she's like, you know, you're almost 30. When am I going to get that grandkid? Yeah. So I felt for me, I needed to have a, a child by 30 because my dad was 47 when he had me. So he was wow. really, so like I sit do parallel. Yeah. And, and that, that pressure, you know, it, it, on one hand you could be like, Relax, mom. I'm going to have a kid anytime. But you feel that pressure. No, you wanted one, right? It made sense. So I was like, I got to have a kid. So I made all these different changes. I I actually came off the testosterone. I changed all these things about what I loved because I was like, man, I got to check check these boxes. And obviously, I now eight years later uh, don't have children, and I've been divorced and gone through some crazy stuff. And really, if it wasn't for that outside pressure, I never would have put myself in that, in that situation. Now, as that was going on, I also had a number of other things going on. And during that phase of my life, I think that I lost a little bit of my identity because it was just so crazy. I was trying to please all these people and make everybody else happy and not really think about what made me happy. And once I got out of the hospital, and all that was said and done, I kind of decided that I had already put so much of myself out there that I was just going to put everything out and hope 
that I could help people along the way with sharing all my trials and tribulations. And that's when I started feeling better and better um, because I wasn't holding anything in. And I kind of looked at it as either you like me or you don't, but this is, this is it. This is everything. And uh, I, I, I really enjoyed getting into that phase of my life, which has now been three years. Um, and the growth that I had for those three years, even though I had a lot of hard things happening along the way, a lot of stressors, have been phenomenal for me. It wasn't until this past year, which I still haven't really talked too much about everything that I went through this past year, and I'm not going to on, on this specific podcast, but I started thinking to myself, like, man, I am starting to get depressed, and I'm, I'm down, and I don't understand. Like, why am I depressed? My life is fine. I'm, I have this. I have that. And I always, always, and you, you've heard me say it too, say, well, when the trial is done, when the trial is done. And it almost, it almost seems like each day I often am just wanting to get to the next day. Mm-hmm. Just so I can get to that, that trial phase and yeah. have that part be done. But that is truly not a, a good way to be. And I, and I will say, I'm not saying it because you're sitting here, that a lot of the conversations that I have with you, mindset conversations, put me in a better place where I realize, man, I, I have so much good that I'm doing. Even though I'm focused on this bad thing that I have to get done, I can't stop doing all the good that I'm doing because that's what I am good at. right? So I can't stop putting the good out and the love out just because I've got to get to this crappy ass day because it might take two years. It might take three years. I can't just waste that whole phase of my life. So I have to check myself, which you, you know, you helped me with that quite a bit and focusing on the, on the more positive things. But I think that um, a lot of people forget about the good stuff that they can and are doing. And that's, that's however you want to help people with that. That's I think one of the most important things. Yeah, I mean, that was terrific that you shared that because, you know, for me, you know, when I, you know, became a chiropractor and got my, uh, got my license and I had this story, right? Irreversible disease, terminal disease. So I was the guy who spoke about this, this hero's journey and built one of the largest clinics in the world. We, it was in history. No one's ever, it was 2,800, over 2,800 people per week came through my doors. It's crazy. And I want to just jump in and say that. Uh, Dr. Chris did not tell me any of this when he first started helping me. Um, I uh, only knew of him through Jen Strobo. She said he's a very good friend and a good doctor, and he believes that he could help you uh, with your condition. And I apologize for telling him about your condition. And I said, (laughs) I don't care. Anybody that wants to help me, help me. And I didn't do a thorough background check like I normally do. I just reached out to him, but... He didn't say like, hey, by the way, I've done this, this, and this. So all of this was stuff that I found out later on. And the reason I'm telling you this uh, is because I actually think that it's pretty cool that you don't make that all about who you are. Mm -hmm. Oh, I happen to do all these things already, uh, but that's not what you're focused on now. My relationship with you is just friends and you, of course, helping me with what I have going on. No, yeah, and... and that's a perfect segue because the reason why I'm like that is because when you, when you hit the top of something and you're known for just that thing and all your peers look up to you for that thing, that became my identity. So Chris Zeno and who I was as a human being was not my identity. It was Dr. Chris Zeno. It was my job 
created my identity. So what happens when you're 13 years into your job and the cloud moves, meaning like the passion's not there, the drive's not there, because it's, it's we're, as, as a spirit and a human body and a physical body, we were created to expand, grow, and have forward progress. And that's what we don't realize, like there's no maintenance, there's no retirement, like we were created to expand and evolve. Mm-hmm. So even if you're successful in one area, there's gonna come that time where you're gonna evolve and you're not gonna have the same drive and, and passion that you did because it's time to move, it's time to expand, it's time to do this. So I fought with this like, well, how can I, I well, first I felt the pressure of maintaining it. I almost felt like I used, like a boxer. Like I remember like a boxer never goes out on top. Yeah. <laughs> Except if you're Floyd Mayweather. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but like that's very unique, but most of them what, they hit the peak and they just, boom, they get just beat the shit down, right? So I felt like, wow, and it was so hard to maintain that. It was getting hard, it was like benching thousands of pounds. Like this is getting difficult because I wasn't in the spirit of it anymore. I didn't have that, that irrational, irrational obsession, I did it. So when you conquered it, it's like I need something new. And so because I was known for that, it became embarrassing when my numbers weren't as high. It became embarrassing when I wasn't collecting as much. It became embarrassing when I wasn't seeing other patients and it was just, it was tormenting. And I wouldn't allow myself to get out of that box. And I realized that one day I realized like, well, wait a second. You know, my title or my profession or my job title didn't make me successful. I'm a successful person that shows up to the job. I'm a successful that shows up to this podcast. So I, re- I had a switch at that. It's like who I am. It's not like something something doesn't make me who I am. And a lot of times we find our identity in being the spouse or being the mom who raises two kids or you find your identity in your profession, job or title and that actually bounds you because if I was to step away from that identity, it meant that I, w- I, 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 I lost my identity if I stepped out of being Dr. Zena, right? So people are like, so it's so tough for me to do to kind of branch off. That's when I decided to move to Utah and just kind of get, I forced myself out of it. It was such a tough time to actually you know, court, I always say court myself, mm-hmm. like figure out who am I, what do I love, what's my dreams, my passions, become childlike again. And uh, it was the greatest things I did because I realized- What it, made you pick Utah? Because we used to go to Park City mm-hmm. in the summer, it was beautiful. The mountains were beautiful since Houston and then it just became one of those just beautiful places and it was so different. And to me, like, and part of me was running away a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But you gotta realize when you're running away, you're still there. And, but it, because I wasn't in the practice, because what happens if I would get out of the practice, even today, patients like, you left me, you abandoned me. It's like, wow, I got guilted. Yeah. And so it was, sub, it was subconsciously gave me a reason to get back in. See, I gotta wear this hat again. This is where I belong. This is my secret identity. And uh, PJ, it was, it was very dysfunctional. And, and I, I would, uh, in Batman, because I'm a movie freak, in Batman, uh, the one with Christian Bale, uh, Lord, you know, Robin, the guy who became Robin, he goes, you know, I, I, I know you're Batman. And he's like, you know, because like, I practice that fake smile every day in the mirror too. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, because in the movie, I get emotional. I'm like, why am I getting emotional? Because I've practiced a fake smile. I would go to work trying to be this person who I, this, not even a facade, this persona, and try to keep up this thing that I wasn't that anymore. It was time to move on, but I didn't know where to go. I know there was something, but I didn't know what it was because I loved mindset, I loved different entrepreneurial things. So when I left that, I had to like detox from this identity. And, and, and when you detox from identity, then you gotta actually audit yourself and see like who you are, what you like, um, what do you wanna do when you grow up, you know, find new purposes. And it was, uh, it was a good you know, three year journey but I'm so much more happier now. And in during that, again, 
and I'm not saying this is going to happen to all of you, but I realized that uh, this is being super transparent. You know, I got married at 26, and the reason why I got married, and this is nothing against Whitney, she's an amazing girl. Um, PJ, I got married because I was afraid of being alone. I hear that all the time. And I felt like she's a good girl. She has a good relationship with her parents. She's intelligent. I'm going to bring all the chips to the center on this one. Mm-hmm. But really, like, was I in love? I didn't even know what the frig love was, dude. I had no idea what it is. And, but I, th- I think it was, right? So it's like, it's checked, I checked out the box. She was a good girl, and I'm super loyal. Never cheated, no infidelity for, for 16 years. But I was like, man, I realized, like, if I had to be honest, I was afraid of being alone. Isn't that crazy? So happens all the time. Afraid of like I can't. It's actually wonderful being alone. Well, yeah, I get it because why was I afraid of being alone? But I never, I never addressed it. Like, who was I to get in a relationship that was going to wound up being codependence if it was about me being with someone and afraid of being alone and growing old and being alone? And now it's like, I always, I said I want to be like George Clooney, like not be married and then like he gets married in his sixties, has two sets of twins, and he's done. It's funny because my <laughs> my mom. So a lot of the younger, uh, I feel like a lot of the younger. Listeners won't appreciate this the way that yeah. you and I would, but my mom actually told Marissa um, when Marissa moved out, which, yes, we've talked about it. I mean, I, it is what it is. People are always trying to figure stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mom said to her, you can't be upset with him because he's always been honest about everything from the start. And my son, he's going to be like George Clooney. And he'll probably want to get married when he's like 60 and have some kids then. And if you're in completely different spots right now, then he's just being honest about it. And I thought it was hilarious (laughs) that she referenced George Clooney. But I told uh, Marissa at the time, I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with me being super honest about it. And there's also nothing wrong with you wanting something completely different. And I told her this. And I guess we're both being very transparent. I said, if you want to go out and meet another guy and, and, and see what's out there, I would never tell you to not do that because I'm going to be doing the same exact thing. It took me about 40 years to figure out what I'm happiest with. And now that I have figured it out, because up until this point, I've been worried about making everyone else happy. So now that I have figured that out, I actually want to enjoy it and not change it. And maybe in 10 years, I'll feel different. Maybe in five years, I'll feel different. But for now, this is the happiest that I've been in a long time. I think you're amazing. I love having you around, but I'm not going to change the things that I'm doing now. Now, eight years before that, when I had decided that I was going to get married, very similar to what you were saying, I don't know that it was a fear of being alone, but I was thinking like, what if I hit a certain age and there's just no good girls around? Like, yeah. did, did, did I miss my shot to have kids? Right. Would I just, just yeah. randomly have a kid somewhere? And so, you know, you, you make these rush decisions sometimes just thinking about the, the pressures of, of society, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, we, we learn from our mistakes, mm-hmm. but I always joke around that Man, 32, that was like the worst mistake of my life when I went through and did all that stuff. And, you know, you, you were 26, not saying it was the worst decision in your life. You've got two, two kids and you've done a lot of wonderful things and you always speak highly of Whitney. Um, it's, it's when we're younger. I don't think we really understand ourselves. And we're still not trying to yeah. say that we understand ourselves. But when you're 25 to 30, I really don't think you have a clue of like who you really yeah. are yet. 
Yeah, you, I think you got to do the buffet of life. Like if we, eat, if I eat chicken and rice for every meal, and you say, "What do you like?" I'm like, "I don't know. I just eat chicken and rice." So yeah. I think in your 20s, and like use that to travel. Use that, like that's two. People say, "What's the top two things you would tell your sons?" Number one, never lower the target. Never. Like if you have a goal, don't lower it because then you resent yourself. Mm-hmm. You compromise. Number two, I would say don't get married to your at least 35 to 40 because at least expand, build your career, see life, figure yeah. yourself out. Oh, I like that. Oh, I don't like this. And then you co-create with someone. Mm-hmm. You don't co-depend, you co-create. And you bring someone else has their own journey. And you bring differences together and then you then move forward together in a parallel fashion. But otherwise, like you said, it's like, and you know, but the thing is, PJ, like I, I was afraid of being alone, but... I even went for counseling to find out, well, what's the root of that? And the root of that, guys, this is why I'm talking about the secret identity. When I was a kid, I remember, they took me all the way back to this. Mm-hmm. My parents would put me in a crib, shut the lights, and leave. And I had a horrible anxiety, like uh, uh, separation anxiety, because as a kid, I didn't understand what that was. I, they were put, they, these people put me in this box and shut the light off, and I didn't know if they were coming back. So I had this horrible anchor emotionally that was attached to that. When my mom used to leave, my mom worked like two jobs yeah. or three jobs. I used to punch a little kid. I remember put, putting my fist through the glass and uh, horribly anxiety because I was afraid that they would not come back because I just had an awful anchor. And now looking back as an adult, it's like, oh, they put you to bed. That's yeah. all it was. So I had a, it's so easy how we could misconstrue something when we're younger because we don't understand it, and it becomes something that literally stays with you in your adult life where you make decisions that may have not been the best or your highest choice. And that's, you're like, well, how'd you determine about the, the divorce and stuff? I had a buddy of mine look me in the eye and he goes, is this your highest choice? And I looked at him and I'm like, no. And he looked, he's very good by language. He's like, you're telling me hundred percent the truth. I'm like, yes. And then he followed up with this. He goes, well, the next steps are going to take a lot of courage. Yeah. Right? Yep. Just think, PJ, the stuff you like, it took a lot of damn courage. So I'm, I'm challenging you right now. There might be something, you know what it is, that it might, it might like, it's going to take a lot of courage. But if it takes some courage to reach your highest choice and a little bit of discomfort to reach fulfillment and happiness and to be a place that you're extremely fulfilled and happy and or at least going towards, versus it would be so easy, PJ, for me, like, well, I'll just stay here. I don't have to split half my money. I could do these things. And we could just be good roommates like we were. And we just make it work. And but, I think I think that a lot of um, people with mindsets the way that we do, which bodybuilding, you know, you develop a very very strong will. Right, it's great. So I had a person say to me, and it's it was a person that I really usually don't take his word as much, yeah. um, but he said he sat next to me one day, and it was in the middle of probably the worst part of my marriage before I went and finally filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. And he said, I know that PG Braun doesn't quit, but sometimes you got to know when to quit. And I knew exactly what he meant yeah. in that moment. And, um, the, it, Kenny, the Kenny Rogers song, you got to know when to hold him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to know when to fold him. And that him saying that, uh, I thought about it for a little while and I really had tried everything that there was to try at that point, and I could have kept on trying new things, new things, new things, and just getting the same outcome in the end. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, the courage that you have to go through to make those next steps, any time that is spent not doing that is unfortunately time that you're just 
wasting because when something is inevitable like that, mm -hmm. you know it in your heart. Yeah. You know it already. You just haven't gone and, and accepted it and, and made the changes that you have to make. But you know. I spoke to a girl the other day, I don't want to get, get off on a tangent here, where I saw signs of, of her relationship failing a while ago. But uh, with all the different um, women that I have either coached or friends uh, of the company, one thing I never do is I won't talk bad about the other person. Mm -hmm. I'll listen, but I'll never be like, fuck that guy or this or that. Part of the reason is you never know if those people are going to mend and then you're the right. guy that was saying bad things. <laughs> and the other reason is this is, this is the true meaning. Yeah. This is the true thing. I don't know if, if, if you feel this way, but I surely wouldn't want somebody that doesn't really know me or where I'm coming from saying those things about me. Oh, sure. And that's the main reason why when I have people reach out to me like, well, my wife said this and this and this, or my husband said this and this and this. I'll listen and I might give some general info, but I'll never be like, well, fuck that guy or fuck that girl. Mm -hmm. I won't do it because I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know the other side of the story. Yeah. And it's just not worth it to me. But I, I can see a lot of these things happening. So this happened with a, with a girl who's now splitting up from her fiance. And uh, she was like, well, I finally realized, you know, that um, he was very insecure. And that's what led to all this. And, you know, my heart didn't want to accept it. And I said, well... I mean, it took you going to therapy and all these other things to figure that out. It's been pretty obvious. And she's like, maybe, but now I get it. So on the outside looking in, it was very, very obvious to me, but she had to go through those steps herself. And whether you're male or female, everyone processes these things in their heart at different rates. But everyone also has that gut feeling when you know. Yeah. When you know, I knew looking back at it now, I knew that my marriage was fucked at the time. I just didn't want to accept it. And I kept thinking I can do better. Mm -hmm. I can figure it out. Um, now when I look back at it, I have a much different perspective of it. And it's because I had to grow and, and go through all the things mm -hmm. that I went through to appreciate the situation a lot differently. Oh, absolutely. And no, this is not a, a podcast on breaking up with your person, <laughs> but I'm just, we're giving an example where for you, it might be a financial thing. It may be a occupational thing, changing a job. It might be a relational thing. It might be a health thing. You know, you need the courage to say, listen, you know, you saw your parents suffer with disease and you saw your relatives suffer with disease. Maybe you need the courage now to be the person um, who steps out and changes your life to, to do that. It all takes courage. So now where does this courage take us from here well the courage number one I think builds confidence mm -hmm. I have a lot of confidence now because I could easily played it and, and keep the smoke screen and acted but you know acting is very stressful yeah you're a great actor thank you but uh, he's more of a method actor but <laughs> like when you're keeping up this thing for me you're right PJ it was uh, when my son, Titus is eight now so it was probably like when he was born, that's when we kind of knew, and we both knew, we both talked about it, but it was just a matter of like, each one of us was waiting for this circumstance to happen, but none of us were willing to budge to create this horrible circumstance. So it's like, I'm not gonna quit. No, you're gonna be the one to quit. Like, so it's like, I was stubborn. Uh, and until like that, but thank God we went to Utah because she found autonomy and friends and stuff like that. I'm like, this is perfect. And, my, and, I, and I personally watch this, this is what you do, guys. Like PJ, you're so right. Like, you don't realize it, but you know that you know, and you're gonna subconsciously sabotage shit to get you to, because for me, I had two associates running my practices. Mm -hmm. 
My practice went from 2,000 people a week down to 300 a week. My practice was the money engine of all the properties and $11,000 mortgages. And so I went, it's PJ, I had to be like, well, I guess I gotta go back to Houston. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like I sabotaged, I did. And, I, and what, what I want you to know is you see, I'm taking all of it, I sabotaged the situation to create a circumstance for the, to, be, to make it easier and better. But the whole time, it could, I could have just avoided if I was just more courageous enough. So the courage uh, builds confidence that transmutes into everything else. So now I know when I have that gut feeling, it's time to act. You know, yeah. I gotta be courageous now because I know the longer I wait, it's just gonna be, it's, uh, it's, it's like pulling thorns out of you super slow. And inevitably, it's gonna end up happening, but with a lot more collateral damage. And I, I have had people say to me this past year, this is right on the subject of what you're saying with the courage, but it's because you know, people said to me, oh, I like this version of you. You're, you're, you're different now, you're a little harder now. And really it's because they don't beat around the bush anymore. If I think something is not right, I don't waste my time with it and I, I'll just call it out. I won't be shy about it or hold back or wait and see because I think you get to a certain point and we're always learning and growing, but you get to a certain point in life where all the relationships that you're surrounded in, you appreciate them for what they are, but you know the ones that matter mm -hmm. and you nurture and protect the ones that matter and really ones that don't, and this sounds I think really mean actually in that. Well, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just still it down. The ones that don't, you don't really put as much time into anymore. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's a lot of it is just bullshit anyway. So why waste your time in the bullshit when you can focus on the positive things that do mm -hmm. matter? No, I know, a hundred million percent. And like, you could say at one point that you, you seem short, but you're not. It's like, because we can watch your stories with your cats and see how you love animals and how you adopt animals. So it's just like, I, I think just a more um, authentic version. I, I, no, God, see, I got to change that. I don't say that you have, a, it's a more authentic version of you. You just remembered the true version of you. See mm -hmm. that this, this thing is not attaining anything. You know, uh, Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey is like, the hero's journey is not about discovering yourself. It's about remembering yourself. And that's what the heroes do. You are remembering, PJ. I was remembering, Chris. You're watching this right now. You're, it's about remembering who you are and honoring that. Because everything else was the facade. Everything else was the secret identity. So you just remembered. You Because when I see what you're like, you're, you're just allowing yourself to be expressive in all those areas. And also to be able to enjoy all, all levels of emotion. You don't have to be a hard ass all the time. Like you could be loving, cry, laugh. Like it's a beautiful thing to embrace. That's what life is. You're able to feel all those emotions and be okay with it. And do you think that there's anything wrong with believing that you're great? Oh, absolutely not. I think it's amazing. I don't, I really don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I find that some people, and a lot of it has to do with the delivery, of course, of the way mm -hmm. that we say things. Some people will take this as arrogance when mm -hmm. it, it's really just confidence. And if you're going to be a, you know, a braggadocious person, that's, that's completely different. But I'm going to give you an example that I witness all the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I will, uh, one of my female athletes or female friends, I will be like, you know, you're so awesome. You're, you're really beautiful. And they'll get like very shy and like uh, almost like embarrassed by it. And they'll say, oh, but you're, you're around all these like prettier, better girls all the time. You know, why would you say that about me? And I'm for starters, only women say things like that mm -hmm. because 
most men are just going to take the compliment. Or if you're a guy like me, you actually believe it also. So when somebody tells me that I'm great, I can make a joke out of it and say, I know I am. Thanks for telling me something I already know. But I believe these things about myself. So usually it's the opposite. If somebody says something that, that is like very negative mm -hmm. about me, most of the time I'll be like, well, that person doesn't know who I am because if they did, they'd know that I'm great. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I just think that that confidence is extremely important with knowing who you are. But if you don't know who you are or if you're living a secret mm -hmm. identity, you're not going to believe that you're great. You're right. It's, it's a bullshit paradigm that we've been trained to believe through teachers, preachers, dogmas, religion, and movies that uh, to practice not humility, but false humility. So we feel like, because why doesn't have you know what I was, I never felt more excited in the world than when I woke up trying to be the greatest in the world at something. And the thing is, so a lot of you want to be really good at something and that's your goal to be great at something. And so when you're great at something and people say you're great at something, you're like, no, 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 I'm not good. Like it's a paradox. Like you can't do two things at once. So it's okay. And when you're doing the PJ, like I'm going to bring up uh, the definitions here because I think pride and ego are absolutely crucial. Yeah. And people are like, oh, oh, you know, it's like, oh, that's the, the, the apple of the forbidden tree. Well, let, let's explain that, what that is. Um, and, you know, many people will dislike athletes, for instance. Yes. That are great, but, but let you know that they're great. They'll be like, oh, this guy's cocky. I want to see him lose. I want to see this guy lose. He's too cocky. Whereas the guy that uh, comes across very humble mm -hmm. in his interviews, people usually root for that guy, but... For all we know, that guy is super, super cocky. He just knows how to give an interview. Yeah, like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, you know, when you watch the Michael Jordan things now, you're like, holy shit, that guy was ruthless. Yeah. I loved uh, watching that. <laughs> I loved to see how, to how fucking ruthless he was. Dude, ruthless. Yeah. And then it, and you watch it, then you sit there like, oh, that's why. Now, when yeah. you watch that, something like that, right? I had, I had a much different perspective, but I think this goes with the kind of person that you are or who you want to be. So a lot of people were like, man, he was a fucking asshole. And I was like, no, he was awesome. He did what he needed to do to get shit done. And watching this didn't make me feel anything but pride. Mm -hmm. And some of the qualities that he has that I believe that I have also, it only made me feel better about it because the success that all those guys had around him were because he was so ruthless. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to the, you know, the, the pride and stuff, he has like a lot of times people say I'm passionate mm -hmm. and I, I stopped using that word because let me read you this definition and tell me if this is the life you want to have. It's uh, it's the definition is blind rage, fit of anger or temper, towering rage, tantrum, fury, frenzy. Like when I read those words, how does that make you feel? It's like yeah. negative. Yeah. That's the freaking, that's the, the, the that's the synonym of, uh, or the words, or, or a state of, a state or outburst of strong emotion. I just read you the definition of passion. Wow. Right, so. People need to, yeah. to, to really think about that, and, and yeah. can you read that again? Yeah, so passion, the definition, definition is, watch this, strong and barely controllable emotion, uh, a man of impetus passion, it's a state of outburst or strong emotion, and synonyms, which are words that are associated, are blind rage, fit of anger, temper, towering rage, tantrum, fury, frenzy. And how many yeah. people love to use the phrase, I'm very passionate about this. And they're speaking this over your life. Yeah. You don't realize this power in words. So now, so that's passion. So I'll never use passion again. I use the word, but I use this term. So watch this. You like this. Now think about when I say these words, close your eyes and think, 
is, would you want this for yourself, your friends, your kids, and your family? A feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. The achievements, uh, a, a pleasure of deep satisfaction from the achievements of those with whom one is closely associated, like your family and friends, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. I'll say that again, a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, satisfaction of the achievements of those whom one is closely associated with, like friends or family, or from qualities or possessions, like that F12, that are widely admired. That is pride. That's the definition of pride. That is so pride. So why the hell was I raised my entire life saying pride comes before the fall? Like we were taught that that was even, so we were, guys, when you realize that the entire system was trained to indoctrinate you, to control you, like pride, that's what I would, I, honestly, that would be my prayer for everybody. There's a, there's a number of anti-pride, uh, like, sayings, like, 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 forget your pride, or, you know, putting my pride aside, you know, all these things that we're told. No, PJ, this is not my definition, guys. This is the real definition of the word, so that is what I want. And why would I ever want to put that aside? So I got so, and this all came guys, like when, when I find this out, when I went through my journey of courting myself, there was always that part of me, this is, this is the, um, we're Tony Stark fans. I, uh, oh my God, it was probably for a half hour straight at the end of Iron Man 1 in the movie theater, when you, and he says, I am Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And everybody, I cried for 30 minutes straight. And people are like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. And I went home and I really like introverted, like I went inside myself. It's because there's a part of me that wanted to accept the appreciation of others. People say, thank you, doctor. People would thank me and appreciate me and I would deflect it. I would deflect it. I never, I never owned who I was because I was afraid I'd be seen as prideful, not yeah. realizing that the whole time, my spirit wanted to accept permission to take ownership that, yes, I did help you. Yes, I do receive that. So pride. So guys, and how about this? Ego. A person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. What the hell's wrong with that? Being aware of yourself. I want my son to have a sense of self-esteem and self-importance. So ego and pride are the, are the path. And people are like, oh my God. Yeah, I know. It's so okay. It's like And saying, why? Why? Yeah. At a young age, where we told to to not have pride and to not have egos, it's for control. So for you can control. be a controlled person. You can be a factory worker. I wrote right here: if you cannot find deep pleasure and satisfaction in the unique gifts and talents you have been given, and to have the esteem and confidence in the importance of your message and your stand, and that it can change the lives you encounter, how can you ever be the hero? You cannot be the hero. You must have a hero must have pride and ego in their message and calling. A hero has pride and ego. They have to. And here we're told that that's, you know, in humility, it's being self-aware of your weakness is where the humility and the, but in the humility is where courage comes from. So the courage, a a hero, when you're courageous, that means you're showing signs of humility and you're going through that, but you're going through it with pride and ego. See, I I have this never ending, and I've I've talked about this in different times, uh, just inner, monologue i guess where there's a part of my brain that's like you're not doing enough to help the guys like you got to do more for your dad you got to do more for david you got to do more social media posts you've got to do more podcasts you've got to get yourself out there more you've got to help more you have to help more you're not doing enough and then there's this other part of my brain that very simply just says man you made fucking blackstone labs how fucking awesome is that and those two voices go back and forth quite a bit but if I didn't have the other voice, 
I think that I would be just so brutally hard on myself mm-hmm. that I wouldn't be able to enjoy the things that I do enjoy. And now, as I've gotten older, I embrace the prideful moments the mm-hmm. most. And it is such a great, great feeling when you have true pride. Mm-hmm. And you're really that proud. I just, I literally just got to experience a lot of that the other day mm-hmm. with the gym uh, yeah. being almost done. Yeah. And the two people that came to do the gym for me, right? And um, without giving too much of their personal information out. So uh, Larry and Vanessa, I've already made posts about them, so everybody knows Larry and Vanessa, thank you very much for everything that that they've done. So years ago, uh, Vanessa came into one of my Q&As and she started asking questions and I started answering them. And then she went back to Larry and said, oh, this guy, P.G. Braun, he's great. He answers everybody's questions, right? So then he started paying attention as well. Well, years have gone by, and we have met them at expos. You know, they've become a part of the Legion. They've become a part of this family that I created because I used to love working out and wanted to put out bodybuilding supplements, Mm -hmm. right? So now... Because of all that Blackstone Labs has done, all these things that I've created, all these people that I've brought together, when I said I was going to have a gym that was a, a, a lifetime dream of, of my own, not to have a world or goals that I was making money off of, just my own gym, a perfect gym just for me. But I, of course, allow my friends and stuff to work out there. When I had finally got to the point where I was going to do that, this gentleman, Larry, said, well, I've, I've put together all the equipment, so if you need somebody to help you with that, I'd love to do it for you. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take you up on that if you're serious about it because I don't know the first thing about that, and I'm going to have to hire some guys anyway, so I might as well hire somebody that I know and like from the Legion. Well, the, the time came where it was time to do that, and I asked him, and uh, he said, yeah, when do you want me to come? And I said, if, if you really want to come, sooner the better. He booked his flight right away. And him and Vanessa came down here, and they busted their ass for five days, putting together 30 pieces of equipment, making sure it all fit. And when it was all said and done, they said thank you to me. And I was like, thank you to me? I owe you guys for the rest of of my life. Free supplements for you guys forever. And they said that they felt that I had done so much for so many people, not just them, for so long that me choosing them and, and, and trusting in them for this major project that meant that much to me, that made them feel so proud. And the, the, the feeling of pride that they got from that, they, they were so thankful over it. So I'm proud because I have my, my own gym now, but I'm truly, truly proud that I've been able to affect people in a way that they can feel proud of doing something for me. Now, that is a, a truly powerful. Mm. And I went home and I cried mm-hmm. and I wrote them a thank you card, which I think a lot of people don't really like yeah. write yeah. thank you cards anymore. But it was, it was so important to me that I wrote it. And I actually cried when I was writing it, but I knew that if I wrote it that way that I wouldn't cry giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, hey, this is just to say thank you to you guys. And um, they then went their own separate ways and then they said that they got emotional mm. knowing what it meant to me. And so they, we all had this great experience together mm. the past few days that we'll never forget. And the reason that I'm sharing this story mm. is because it's strong feelings of pride. Yes. 
And you can't, you can't top that. No, you can't. So I have an exercise for everybody watching here. I'm here to tell you you've been living like a bullshit matrix lie where you've been taught false humility and you were taught that being proud of yourself and in fact, you're, you're taught to look for the, the negative things in your life and not the wins. So my, my exercise for you is starting now, every day, I want you to, on five, just one, two, three, four, five, I want you to write down five wins for the day. I did my workout today, win. Like to me, I did this podcast, win. And then when you start t- keeping track on how many wins you're having through the day, you're like, holy shit, I'm a win, I am winning. Like I'm doing a lot of stuff and then I get, how do you do all the stuff you do? Because I'm winning, right? So it's like, a, I do the, everything is a win. I worked out today, win. PJ, win, just everybody here, win. You know, like, then you start to see like, my life's really winning and the winning comes with such gratitude. Mm. So we're talking about pride, the true meaning of pride, pleasure and satisfaction in your achievements and those of others that you're associated with. Um, combined with, it creates such an, uh, an attitude of gratefulness that I'm telling you, when I'm sure when PJ was in his prideful moment, he actually had more gratitude. And I know the feeling the gratitude was more than you may be having in your very, hum, very, uh, very um, humble way. Like when you're in the state of gratitude, you're in a state of receiving even more, right? So this is why like when you understand that you win and you're like, oh my God, I am winning. Things are great. The circumstances, even with these, I'm winning. Because PJ's got a lot of shit going on. And still to be winning and having the pride and, and being appreciative. It just pride, appreciation, gratefulness, this all goes there. But if you're not aware that you're winning, then you're all, you're pointing the finger, bringing the circumstances and waiting for shit to get better someday. But when you actually realize, whoa, I really won today. And tomorrow you're like, wow, I'm winning again. And you get into the habit of seeing consciously that you're winning. Then you're going to, and allowing that pride to well be like, I'm proud of myself for doing that. And then because I'm proud, I want to now be able to help others be proud of themselves as well. I mean, it's a huge thing that I've been ostracized over sometimes because of the message that pride and ego is the path. In fact, it's the path of life that have been roped off with caution, do not enter. It's almost, it, it literally is almost the forbidden fruit of the garden that you're not supposed to eat. But what if I told you that was the way to live in the life you were created to live and really enjoying and enjoying it with others. So all I'm gonna say is this, ask yourself, does that, does that resound with your truth? Does that, I don't care what you learned and your parents and your church, like to you, did that feel good? Did that feel like truth? And I think that's a big thing when you see listen to yourself. A lot of times we're listening to other people's truths, but we never asked ourselves, is that, do I find that to be my truth? And you have, and you, and you experiencing the love of the fact, and the fact that you wrote something with emotion, it's everything's vibration, guys. Everything's energy and vibration that they got it, not knowing what PJ was intention. And they, the energy and intention went through that card. So guys, this is much bigger. This is a much bigger thing that, that, that we're playing on that we really think. And being in that state of pride and gratefulness and appreciation and having high ego, which is self-awareness of that. I like to know that you're doing it that way. Guys, it's such a key to living such an amazing life. And in the moment, no matter what happened, COVID, it's like, I'm winning anyway, bring it. You know, like, like nothing's gonna get in that way of that. And you keep on becoming a producer. Man. I am proud that we did this podcast I'm today. proud of you, man. This was a damn Joe. good podcast. So, so right now, don't you feel good and fulfilled yes. and fucking pumped? And like, I had some, some stressful things going on today. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but that was a great message. Yeah, and I, I hope that people really don't just listen to it, but 
they let this resonate and they, they actually do something. Yeah, do the exercise, guys, because it's tough because you've got to consciously now re, re, retrain this paradigm of false, false humility in your life that's been holding you back. Awesome. You, my friend, just nailed it on this one. You are awesome, PJ. That was fantastic. <laughs> um, Thank you, guys, and we vote for you, too. Yeah, so, guys, um, help us. We're going to come up with a, a name for this podcast because we are going to keep doing it. As long as Dr. Chris wants to come here and do this podcast with me or we could Skype him in, but it is definitely like a lot a more fun No, no, being no. Here. There's, there's a proximity yes. that has to be here. There's a chemistry. So if he keeps coming, I'm happy to keep doing them because I think they're great too. And this is fulfilling to me. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like, yeah, like I could be getting paid this, this, like, no, but this is fulfilling. I'm going towards what fulfills me. makes me happy in life because if I'm fulfilled and happy, then it opens the doors and opportunities of creativity. Absolutely. Right? Awesome. Well, Thanks, let us know, guys. And I'm going to say one more thing. Just one more thing. Talking about your feelings the way that we just did, getting this stuff out. It's amazing how much it can change what you have going on. And I encourage people to not be afraid to just talk about things because like I said a few minutes ago, I had some annoying and stressful shit going on today and I was in a bad mood, but I am now in a fantastic mood because we just talked about all this. So there you go.